So you guys have you've you've heard me complain during all of quarantine that you can see my titties from space, mm, and blinding. I decided to finally, I decided to finally uh, join an outdoor gym, and I changed my diet. I'm on a clean bulk now, Ooh. but in the midst of that, I was like, well, I can't keep drinking so vociferously mm-hmm. if I'm like, you know, <laughs> like eating, you know, like chicken for lunch and ch- like skinless chicken breast for dinner as well so i discovered this thing this product called can c-a-n-n how many calories does it have is it a low cal bevy alan it's like 35 calories oh shut the door it's a yep it's a micro dose of thc so it gives me what i need in my life which is to get a little stoned at the end of the day yeah Take the edge or in the morning, off, or, or in, in the, the morning. morning, in the morning, if things aren't going quite as expected. <laughs> uh, the flavors are incredible. It tastes great, and you don't have a hangover the next day. It's perfect. Incredible. Well, if you want to get this, you can go to Drink Can. That's Can with two ends. Dot com. And oh, I'm going to be buying some of this and drinking it to <laughs> to, to drown my sorrows, but in, sa- with, but in a safe way. But in a safe okay. way. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So on Twitter, um, so Pete Buttigieg was confirmed by the Senate. I watched it live. Secretary Elliot. Pete, Brent, That's right. secretary. That's right, I apologize. Elliot watched it on C-SPAN wearing a pussy plug. Uh, mm. But... I, it was really fun. And he got, you know, he got like 86, 87 uh, votes in the Senate of confirmation. Yeah. But regardless, on Twitter, Megyn Kelly tried to dispute that Pete Buttigieg was the first openly gay cabinet member. So in her tweet, she gave credit to President Trump for breaking the barrier with Richard Grinnell, who was an openly gay man who served briefly as Trump's director of national intelligence. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, of course, um, Grinnell had only served in that he had only served in that role as like an acting capacity. He wasn't confirmed by the Senate, nor was he officially in the cabinet. Yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia, Grinnell was, quote, the first openly gay person to serve at a cabinet level in the United States in an acting capacity that was not confirmed by the Senate. So obviously, left wing wing Twitter just lost their shit. And, you know, everyone got really mad. Um, what are your, I mean, it's, it's always interesting to me that like the right wing pushes back on identity politics a lot, mm-hmm. but they also dip their toe in it when they want to like rub it in our faces. Have you noticed that? Well, they like using, I think uh, of all the marginalized groups out there <laughs> right now, Republicans mm-hmm. or conservatives have used two groups specifically to their advantage to try to like grow the party one has yeah. been women with sarah palin early on they they sarah palin was meant to be that sort of pull that figure that could change the republican party and and show the advance how we're we support women in this party and then in recent years post the supreme court's decision on marriage equality republicans were like okay well the the culture wars with gay stuff didn't really work in our favor so let's just move into the it's okay just don't throw it in our faces vibe 
and right, right. they wanted to benefit on and Trump even tried to do it himself you know during the Republican convention in 2016 I love gays <laughs> yeah he had the gays for Trump flag or whatever and he had uh, the the um PayPal guy what's his name <laughs> yeah, yeah Peter yeah, Thiel yeah, Peter right. Thiel Peter, Peter Thiel, Thiel, Peter Thiel yeah. yeah they had he had him out there and like and he even said in his speech I think in his nominating speech he said the reception that you guys gave Peter the night before he called it out saying he he thought it was really great and it, it showed like advancements for the Republican Party I remember him saying that in his speech and so Republicans have like done this for a few years now and on one hand I'm like we're clearly a toy for you like mm-hmm. you don't give a fuck about us we are literally a toy for you to sort of dangle when you need us but at the same time I'm also like well I mean I said it before Trump Trump of all the Republican presidents the modern Republican presidents, he was the most quote unquote progressive when it came to queer issues just because of the time he was living in. Right. And, and he wants to benefit off of that. And Megan Kelly wanted to be his his little trumpet person. Well, I think, I, yeah, I think to be fair, obviously we've, we've sort of belabored that point, but to be fair, I think his rhetoric was probably more progressive than his actions. But like, I, I, I hear, I hear your point. Fully. Let me, let me ask you a question. This, this, this was the question I had. So I saw one sentiment written in the advocate, uh, I believe, or some like gay rag, but uh, basically- <laughs> The advocate the, isn't a rag. The advocate isn't a rag. Oh, how Pink, dare you? Pinknews.uk.co <laughs> is a rag. Is a rag, but that's yeah. that's like Elliot's first, it's like the first thing Elliot goes to every yeah. morning. Uh, but they basically insinuated that anyone who didn't vote for Pete Buttigieg was a, was a homophobe. And that I think really? is an interesting example. Yeah, I did not who were the thirteen homophobes? No, no, no. Sorry, in the Senate, who were oh, the thirteen okay. senators that didn't vote to confirm a Pete Buttigieg as Secretary of Transportation, and they were all homophobes? And I felt like that was a bit extreme. But what that do you what do you extreme. think? I mean, it's like I don't think. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe we're, I don't want to give give them too much credit. I want to defend but, Ted Cruz here. Yeah. But like, <laughs> But I do feel like that, like Alan said, that that sort of that war is over. They've moved on to other things. And I would I get I don't want to give them credit, but I really I can't imagine that 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 homophobia would come into play mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, it's just like tribal, Three, you know, tribal politics. Three fourths right? of the Republican Party, sitting Republican Party within the U.S. Senate voted to confirm Pete Buttigieg. Three fourths. Yeah. Like that. Let's OK, Sure. The other people, they might be ultra conservatives, and 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 you know what? It's okay to have different political views. Of course, it's right. fully okay to disagree with someone, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about his sexuality. Did one of them vote against him because of his sexuality? Maybe. Yeah, Who knows? Probably Marsha Blackburn know. did, but maybe. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> whatever. I and that's and you know what? We walk down the street and someone thinks we're a faggot. Are you going to go out of your way to like, you know, push them against a wall? No, because you don't know it. And and you just have to move on with your day and realize that the vast majority of people think you're a fabulous faggot. So like, right. move on. <laughs> well, Alan, just, wait, just to explain to the listeners, Alan's talking about the time he walked past me and I called him a faggot recently. Yes, and that's and true. So that's true. I, I think didn't even stop to say hello. To to he just me. called He's me a faggot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I also, I just want to say too, like, you know, it's, something about Megan Kelly, it's like she used to be so kind of bland to me and sort of inconsequential. And then she sort of, you know, she she piped up with saying Santa's white and the whole thing with Christmas <laughs> right. and all this, this fucking nonsense. But, you know, the idea that this woman now goes out of her way to like pat Trump on the back, it's like he's not in office and he made fun of you on national TV for having a period. Like, 
what what do you want mm. from him i don't know and i don't know what her end game is because she's she it's like she's trying to be like ann coulter light and yeah. at some point it's like bitch sit what are you doing just, just shut be quiet well, because yeah, she's irrelevant yeah. now that's that's uh, the problem the only outlet yeah. she has for news is her own twitter account that's it yeah. she yeah. has no job she has no one to report like no one will hire her because she's fucking toxic and racist let me ask you a question though this is the most pressing question of all so to date as of as of this recording we are recording this on february 23rd 2019 so no, no, I'm just kidding. No, to date, uh, the only senator who has voted against every Biden nominee is Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. Josh Hawley was obviously famously the guy who, uh, the senator who objected to uh, the seating of certain delegates that led to blah, 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 blah. We won't get into all that. Do you think Josh Hawley is good looking? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I yes. mean, Me too. No, right. I, I see why. He is considered good looking. I don't necessarily find him good looking. I, but... appreci I appreciate your honesty. I, I think he's got great hair. Yes. I do. I think it, yeah. I, I hate him. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think he's, I genuinely think he's a psycho. Yeah. Um, but I think he's got great hair. And yeah. I saw a picture of him in college. He's lost a lot of weight since college, which I find very becoming on an older gentleman. <laughs> uh, older? I, he's like, he, he, how old is he? He's like our age. He's like, he's yeah. like 40. Well, he's no. like he's like your age. He's like 43, 44. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not. Is he's he not, not in his late 30s? Young. I definitely thought he was in his late 30s. Yeah, me too. He yeah. clerked for Chief Justice John Roberts, who obviously we all know has baby blue eyes. And yeah. we all know I'm a fan of him as well. Um, <laughs> I have a good friend who's a listener of this podcast. And he used to send me like thirsty pictures of um, Jared Kushner, which some people think Jared Kushner is. Oh, very... Jared Kushner is objectively oh. a handsome guy. You think so? He, no, he absolutely. Absolutely. No, I don't know about at the moment, but like like in 2016, I, I would I. I occasionally Googled pictures of Jared Gould. <laughs> he, he, he used to be, but then, I mean, he aligned himself with the dark side, but he used to be when Gawker was obsessed with him. Oh. Younger and he took over the Observer. Gawker was obsessed with him because he was handsome and like, you know, rich. But now yeah. it's like, he's a fucking ghoul. And he reminds me- I feel me like, of, like I'd sit on him and break him. Yeah, he reminds me of Larry Nasser. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the, doctor, the doctor who molested, all right, good. Yeah, that's yes. a fair comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Not even joking. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, New York-based writer, comedian Alex English. Do you speak English, Alex? Some people in certain parts of the world would argue that my English, I don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you, if, even if you didn't speak English, it wouldn't really matter. We would still talk with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing, like, performing amidst the pandemic in New York City? Um, it's, it's kind of, it's very jarring. I miss the people. Um, but it, I, what I'll say is, as far as performing is concerned, what is performing in, in, in during these times is very difficult to assess any kind of audience and make sense of any audience. Like I, uh, I've noticed that in the times that I've been performing outdoor, like whatever, whatever, whatever makeshift situation New York is trying to convince themselves that we're all playing it safe to perform in <laughs> under these conditions. I've noticed that the mm -hmm. audience doesn't really know how to respond to 
activity outdoor anymore. Literally, people are on their phones, like, while shows are taking place. Like, during the summertime, it was very difficult to keep an audience's attention. So, I just decided, you know what? No more shows. Just write a bunch of jokes while you're at home. And when we come out of this, maybe they'll work. And maybe they won't. But... I've been okay with go. it. It's forced me to actually be a stronger. It's forced me to actually be a stronger writer. I say that. Mm-hmm. Be a stronger writer, because you know when you're doing shows, six, five or six shows in New York City a night, you get into that habit. You just kind of like you take for granted. I think the opportunity to kind of like be able to write instead of just kind of extemporaneously be chopping at the same bit that probably gets the same reaction each time. So now I'm like, oh, I only have one show this month. All right. This shit better be on point. <laughs> yeah, you're you're like the Brent of the group. Mm-hmm. So let me Brent, ask you, how are you yeah. passing the time? Like, are you joining more OnlyFans pages? Like, lots. I was doing. I was gonna say lots of masturbation, Brent. Lots of yeah, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> I have I have been I have been actually. Uh, I was shocked. I used to be somebody who was like, you know what? OnlyFans probably won't be my thing. I'll continue to not support sex workers and just not pay for my porn. But the quality, the quality is better when you pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, me, let me interrupt here. I still can't fully wrap my head around OnlyFans in the sense that I, oh, this doesn't sound terrible. I feel like I don't want to feel feed certain egos i understand that and i get nervous that only fans in a way depending on who you're yeah like i feel like in a way it's like you're you're, you're feeding i guess i'm only thinking of like a few people i've actually never joined and so i'm i'm too timid to, to actually want to pay <laughs> do you think yeah. do you think that's maybe like i mean maybe this is just me knowing you so well but like maybe do you think that's your neuroses because like these are like some people are like actual sex workers like you know trying to make a dime no i get what he means but i know what you mean with some of them too that's the thing like i want to like to alex's point like i i'm hey you know you know there's nothing wrong with supporting sex workers i guess i'm thinking of only fans of in the perspective of feeding egos of like normals who are like because there's just (laughs) one guy in particular that brent and i have bounced back and forth who's like a very like plain guy who has sort of who insists that he's like an OnlyFans model now, and it's like I don't know what you are, and so I get confused by the difference between like using OnlyFans to support a sex worker and then like mm-hmm. feeding the ego of somebody who just wants to have their ego fed. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair way to look at it, Elliot. Because you know what, there are people who just hopped on OnlyFans on the bandwagon, and suddenly they're like. Yeah, I'm a porn star now. And it's like, no, you weren't doing this work. Like, I'm going to go. It's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. open. you have open mic comedy and then you have working comics. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. That's you got to. Yeah, right. comparison. You got to know your lane and you got to respect the craft before you just mm-hmm. dive in. I would never call my. I, I've been in stand up. I've been in stand up for eight years and I still have a hard time calling myself a comic. People, yeah. people, people on the dating apps and stuff. You go out with people, and they're like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm just like a writer, whatever." <laughs> I'm not, I won't, I won't even utter the word comedian because it just will open a can of worms that I did not ask for. Well, you're definitely a comic. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about that. Like, you're a comic. You've written for the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Like, you're you're a full bred comic. But that said, like, 
there is kind of, and I, I mean, I've read some of the interviews you've done and stuff, and there's this is kind of like a renaissance of like queer comedy happening yeah. right now and queer queer comics out there actually getting work, not not us, but others are getting work. <laughs> and I wanted to know like what what your thoughts are on sort of this renaissance of queer comedy and like, do you actually feel it or is it just sort of something that like at Vulture wanted to write about one day and now people think it exists? Not only do I feel it, um, I feel part of it, you know, mm-hmm. because when I first moved to New York back in 2012 and I got started, I was under the impression and some would, and most would say the illusion that I was the only gay comic in New York. <laughs> Cause I wasn't doing, like, I wasn't doing rooms that like had us there. So if I was doing an open mic in some bar in Midtown or downtown, you know, I didn't meet Mateo or Joe Kim Booster until like 2016, you know? <laughs> so it can be, it can be kind of weird like that where you feel isolated, but I never kind of let that stop me. If anything, that made me feel like, oh, I really got something to say, you know? And like, I sound different than everybody else. But then I, I meet the next gay guys doing stand up, and I'm like, oh, well, we're not saying the same thing. So this is perfect. And, um, you know, just being black also, like being gay, like queer and black and stand up. It's like when I first got when I would when I first watched comedy, like, you know, I had family, all of my aunties and uncles and my mother, they would all like meet up like in my grandmother's house and watch like Def Jam and the Kings of Comedy and the Queens of Comedy. I know I know the Queens of Comedy verbatim. OK, I love the Queens of Comedy. Yeah. And and um like they would tell all the kids to like go into the playroom and play together. But I would be the one like standing behind the wall, listening to the jokes and trying to hear what everybody was, you know, and that's just the queer boy in me that just wanted to be in everybody's business and be in on the adult. I feel like gay boys, especially like we are adults faster than men and cis cis men in general. You know, we like, we grow up faster. So we want to be in the grown folks conversation much faster. Let me amend that. We grow up faster and then we become young very quickly as soon as we come out. <laughs> like teenagers again. That's true. That's very, very true. There's a rebirth that takes place. It's actually, it's funny you say that because I was right before the election, I was trying to distract myself from everything. And so I looked up Bernie. I remember, I think it was Bernie Max set from the Kings of Comedy because yeah. he talks about how uh, one of his kids is like a faggot. <laughs> his nephew. But it's it's, it's, his it's nephew. really funny. Yeah. It, I, I won't even say like you can tell he obviously doesn't mean that, but it's not like it's filled with heart. But like it's just really funny, and like he talks about like this kind of like this gay three year old kid that they have who's like yeah. bossing the family around. And I actually was thinking about talking about it on the podcast because I'm like this is like, you know, it, this is twenty. 18 years ago now it's, it's sort yeah. of a different world but it's still hilarious to me and it always it never felt that joke i know that joke very well and i feel like i've spoken to comics about that before like especially black comedians we talk about things like that like alex did that was that did that affect you were you mad about that joke was you offended and i you know the comic in me probably was always there or whatever but i kind of just felt familiarity with him because i grew up with mostly black men in my family who talked shit like that and it was funny and so I always just registered it as like, oh, he can joke about us. That's love. You know, that always felt familiar to me. But I'll say the driving force behind my decision to go and, you know, really pursue comedy became from that mainly, Brent, really, because 
you know, you watch the Def Jams and you watch the, you know, literally comedy in general. And everybody in the night from the 80s to the 90s to the early 2000s always had gay bits. They always had jokes yeah. about gay people. And I was like, well, where's our rebuttal? You know, in a debate or in communication, you know, like that is how you, you, you the, to me, comedy can be fully formed when gay people can get out there and joke on their own behalf and on and joke and crack on straight people, too. And that joking on straight people is, I would argue, 60 percent of my set. <laughs> well, there's also like there's not a rebuttal. I mean, this is sort of the the segregation in comedy in and of itself. Yeah. Like there's, you know, the, the deaf comedy jams, which is in its own lane in a way. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could say, unfortunately, and like the gay jokes that they sometimes would say, sure, a lot of sort of like keyboard warriors were out here and they they get very angry about it. But in a lot of ways, it's like it's the, there's no malice behind the intent of the joke. You know, within Bernie Mac's intent of the joke, there's no malice. There's only love. And so he loves like, his gay nephew. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's giving comics like you the opportunity for that rebuttal within that lane that deserves even a wider lane that deserves even more exposure. And like, it needs, like, we all should be watching deaf comedy jams, the new deaf comedy jams. <laughs> like that's something that I think needs to exist today. And it doesn't. And like, do you think yeah. you're kind of bringing that rebuttal back in a way? I do. I, I feel like I wouldn't put all of that weight on my own shoulders, but yeah. I definitely, I definitely think from my, my perspective, because I, I'm a very, I am what my family, my family loves to tell me when I go home to visit, Alex, I be seeing you, you, be, you, you always be with them white people. And it's just so funny, like how they didn't, they can't really process that I have kind of stepped out beyond my boundaries. I am black as fuck. Like I'm, I'm really like, like very, I'm not like militant with my blackness, but I'm absolutely like proud of where I come from and I know re real black people like you know there's like this like like the you know how everybody was trying to paint like southern and midwestern states in America like the forgotten man I know the forgotten black people you know <laughs> and those people, you know the, you know the flyover states of that's black people. that's right <laughs> and I know those people I've known those people my whole life I went to school with those people I know what they find funny I know what they don't find funny and like I just know how they communicate. And so I try to bring that into this world that I've made for myself with comics and with like this, the, this particular business, like, cause I wouldn't have known. I mean, I'm just, look, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just some young black kid from Detroit who, who wouldn't have, who would not have ever, you wouldn't, I would not have predicted. If you would have told me when I was 13 that when I moved to New York, the first person I would hook up with would be a Russian man, I <laughs> would, I, I, I don't know what I would do. I honestly would probably faint. <laughs> and that is true, what happened to me. <laughs> like how was Russian the, was wait, Russian? Yeah, well, yeah, let's, we, we need to yeah. go into the Russian. Like okay, yeah. I'm responsible for 2016, yeah. <laughs> no i um i um it was the only time it was the only time that i ever um entertained grinder i tried it and i didn't like it immediately but this one dude was very nice and he was rushing he had a very nice apartment in chelsea and i i was like oh wow this is this is nice and it was like you know i got very comfortable he cooked he cooked what did he cook he made dumplings from Trader Joe's. That was my first time ever having, having dumplings from Trader Joe's. It was from a Russian man. 
And that's a mouthful, but it's truth. It's the truth. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> Very much so. Wait, and, so I, and, don't, and he didn't and he didn't kick me out. You don't use grinder at all. No, because I was telling somebody I kind of like him being black and going to growing on grinder like driving through like a, a, a southern state like Mississippi or something, because you're bound you're bound to just like be called the N-word at any moment. You know, it's not a safe space for black men. But <laughs> But you know, some black men find it, find themselves uh, welcomed there, and that's that's totally fine for them as well. <laughs> that's fine. Mm-hmm. So then, how do you, like do you go to bars? How do you like meet people? Dude, I miss bars so much. I miss one night stands. I miss hooking up after like drinking at a bar. It's just truly, I like really immersed. I had a really big whole phase when I moved to New York like a second one actually because I really went through it in college but when I moved to New York I lived in in Harlem and I lived right around the corner from this bar called El Morocco and El Morocco was on 145th street and Broadway and this club catered to my brothers and my Latino brothers and so um it was a i mean you know it's a black circuit party you know it's like all and i like i made sure that when i first got to new york that i found that scene you know because i'm like i know the white gays i know where the white gays are i work at the restaurant in hell's kitchen i see them during the day all day long where are my niggas and they're uptown (laughs) (laughs) so i went and um, you know what was crazy is that I lived so close to the club that I would like sometimes some weekends I would be so uninterested in going, but I had an app, I had the Jacked app, and that would just tell you who's at the club if you were at my house. So all I would do, they would be like, "Where, where are you at? You in the bathroom?" I'm like, "No, I'm at, in the bathroom at my house. You can come around the corner and drink my drinks and like all of that." So yeah. I just, you had to make do, you know? Also, it would be times where I was broke and couldn't really, like, afford to go to the club or whatever. So, just, until I started sleeping with the party promoter, which yeah. which was bad. That was bad for me. That was a bad time in my history. Yeah. And, because uh, I had to pay still. <laughs> so Humbled me. It wasn't good enough to, to, to get in for free. Um, <laughs> go ahead, sorry. I just want y'all to see this. After after oh, after t- okay, well, two we have to, hours, we have to give some backup for our <laughs> listeners. So Alex told us before we started recording that we might. He very very uh, kindly told us that we might be interrupted by an Uber Eats delivery, and he just showed us that his order was already canceled. late. His glasses have been taken off. He's frustrated. I mean, things, he's crying. He's sobbing. I have I, I am unraveling in front of y'all right now. I have waited for two hours for this for these for these wings for these wings. <laughs> oh my god really <laughs> two hours two hours for these wings and they have not they... arrived i'm so upset this is homophobic only place in new york that makes wings <laughs> well it's also trash brain i'm i'm eating yeah, trash yeah. wings it's it's wing stop it's it's not it's oh, not fancy wow. all of all of your heads just exploded all of your heads <laughs> just exploded as soon as i said that and i knew I, I tried to hide it from y'all when i first i didn't want any of y'all to ask me what restaurant i was ordering from i was very <laughs> avoidant and, and and Brent, you brought it out. It's okay. It's okay. I did. I did. Yeah, what's, I'm glad I did. What's what's crazy is that we talked about Wingstop literally a week ago yeah. really? on this podcast because we were with the guys from Stradio Lab. Uh, George oh, Sam, and Sam, George and Sam. Yeah. And we decided that Wingstop in particular was an uh, 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 inherently great place. Yeah. Great place. <laughs> yeah. 
that's true. I would say that's true. I mean, it's it's a straight holiday, you know. It's the Super Bowl, so you know, I you know, I support. I, I have some straight. Listen, I don't mind. I say it in my act, but my act, that part of my act, is also how I live. I love my straights. I love. I love. I, I but the, but I picked. I pick. I pick my straights very well just like how i pick my white people i i am good at picking good white people i never very seldom do you ever see me with bad white people i pride myself on being able to I have, wonder i have imagine, good discernment. I imagine there's there's probably some white people who are like alex thinks i'm a good white person so i guess I'm, <laughs> I'm just i'm i'm not racist <laughs> i try to keep it i try to keep it very friendly so like i know that oh but i can see bad white from a from a mile away i know i know when it's coming but i but straight st bad straight too is out there but there's, there's also some good straight you know and and i i make sure that i that i found uh foster a place of comfort for them <laughs> what for you what for you uh, quantifies a bad white a bad white. I mean, you know, the 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 net is very wide, you know, for yeah. that. <laughs> um, but just some, somebody that I don't really have to do a whole lot of explaining to. I think I think that's a general like, and it's very easy to you know locate those kinds of white people, those who just listen, and there you can have a conversation. Like the three of you are fine examples, you know. Like you just get it, you know. And I don't have to like feel like. I have to like uh, overcompensate for who I am. I can truly just be who I am. Also, you know, I love a white person that pays for things, friend mm. or fr friend or romantic. You know, I don't have we we a white person that truly understands the economic inequities in this country will just go out of their way to shell out dough in any opportunity <laughs> they can, and I'm not gonna reject. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, gonna go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let the let that. the guilt let the guilt pay for itself. I don't mind a lot. A lot of people hate white guilt. I adore it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Alex, I do want to ask you. Speaking of um, what I would presume are good white people, you said in like some interview that you love the show Frasier. That 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 Frasier is like you watch Frasier a lot. Now my cat is named Frasier, so I have okay. to ask about the show. Like it's not one of those cool shows like Seinfeld or The Office. Like it's there's a very specific Friends. topic type of people that watch Frasier. What is Frasier yeah. for you? Why do you like it? My mother. <laughs> it's truly I am my mother's child when it comes to television because we're both very picky about what we watch. And I'll have you know, my mother, again, another proud African-American individual in this country. But if you ask her, do you what do you like Fresh Prince or Martin? She'll say Fraser. <laughs> she does not. She she for some reason does not wow. really. She does not tune in to black programming. I did not realize. I I I grew up watching black programming when I was young, but my mother would. I I had to remember. Oh, she was never really present for that. She was a she was a Fraser watcher. She was a Roseanne watcher and Golden mm -hmm. Girls. So all of my like white humor, all of like you know, I can't. I put all of those in. I got that from her. She would have Frasier on and I would just watch it. So I am a big Kelsey Grammer friend because of her. And also because of Kelsey Grammer, we got girlfriends. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kelsey Grammer produced <laughs> the, produced uh, girlfriends, yep. which I think is always a long forgotten fact. Well, and also the I try to like defend this because people like to compare girlfriends to living single and sure they are similar shows, but they are very different shows. Two different eras also. Two different eras in television. 
Mm-hmm. Very, very two different mm-hmm. living living single. If anything, set the set the tone for our girlfriends to happen. But I would I would say the living mm-hmm. single was the better sitcom because living single yes. had a wider variety of the kind of women. But it also just existed in a different time. It was mm-hmm. a different period for TV too. So you know you had you had it also Queen has Le- what I would argue. It has what I would argue the best. Um, theme song. It's the best of, theme song of all, theme, <laughs> of all television. Of all no television. comparison. No, no like compare. No comparison right. whatsoever. Oh, okay, Growing Pains. I didn't. I didn't mind Growing Pains at all. Yeah. yeah no, but, but, you, but nothing beats. <laughs> and some unseen woman just pop locking and dropping it in the middle of Manhattan. Yes, the silhouette and her fringe, her fringe vest in the silhouette. She was the first silhouette challenge, and they need to give her. They need to give her her flowers for that. Oh my god! Well, this has been a blast, and I'm so sorry about your wings, but hopefully oh, you can get off this podcast and figure out that debacle. Alex English, thank you yeah. so much for being here. Where Thanks, can Alex. people follow you on the interwebs? I every everything everything Twitter and Instagram is Alex English. The E that spells English is the number three because I am a seventeen year old, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, that is mainly where I am, and that is where you can find me. I love it. Thanks oh, for great. thanks for being thanks, Alex. Alex. Thank you so much. And another thing. So uh, a good friend and past guest of this podcast, Sam Kiefer, he sort of tipped me off on this Hulu documentary called In and of Itself. And it's kind of like a, it's like a live one man show, live performance slash Mm, magic show. Okay. No, but it's it's, it's different from any other magic show I've ever seen. And it's by um, a magician named Derek, I'm gonna fuck up his last name, Derek Mm. Del Gaudio, Mm. I think is how you say his name. How how dare you? Did you see it, Elliot? Yeah, I loved it. It was great. It's it's an um, it's it's really good, and it's oddly like emotional. It's it's very emotional. It's not your typical magic show at all, Mm. and a big part of it has to do with sort of queer themes. And he's not queer, but like there's there's that part of it. It's really it's a really emotional experience. I definitely suggest people to to watch it. But it got me thinking of the recent passing of James Randi, who was a famed uh, magician, and he turned sort of like this celebrity um sort of he challenged like paranormal and 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 pseudoscientific claims of like psychics and other magicians and he basically called out psychics and other magicians and there's a great doc on him called an honest liar that sort of showed how throughout his career he kept calling people out for like doing basically lying and his critics then tried to call him out because he had this secret that he was keeping his entire life that he never really revealed and it was that he is gay and right. that came out later in life, right? Shortly before he died. And it like, it, it was, it's a really fascinating sort of back and forth between him being like, magic doesn't exist. It's all a trick. Psychics don't exist. Like these people who, they, they don't exist. So like, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think, do you believe in magic and psychics? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, uh, I love those questions. Yes. Um, well, first of all, I mean, I, anyone, who I think grew up watching disproportionate amounts of PBS, which my family, (laughs) I always joke about how like my family was like one of these PBS households. 
such that like I would go, I remember like going to school on like Tuesdays yeah, with like a pep in my step. Cause I'm like, Nova's on tonight. And yeah, you love every, Nova. everyone would, would be like, the fuck are you talking about? Nova. But like James Randi, like just inevitably would on would be on like Nova every other year. Mm-hmm. My dad loved him. He had his own show where he would like yeah. trick debunk, psychics, debunk these people. Yeah. So he's not. I don't think he's he's necessarily against magic. He's against people who claim they have like metaphysical well, he's, powers. He's against people <clears throat> who try to claim that magic is like that. It isn't trickery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it right, isn't. Right, right, you know right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. with that with that said, I don't believe in ghosts and goblins. I don't believe in like metaphysical garbage. And uh, what's what was your other question? Do you believe in psychics? Like what? Like like because that was his big thing in, psychics, in the end. But I wouldn't that... go to a psychic because I don't I don't need that shit in my head. Oh, I don't I don't need like a psychic telling me. They're not going to tell you when you die, but like I don't believe it. But I if they said something about like orange, I'd be like, well, fuck. Now I have to like it's just going to be implanted in my brain for the rest of my life that like when if I ever find an orange box (laughs) and I'll be on my deathbed being like, I guess I never saw that box. And like, it's like, no, they're they're charlatans making this up as they go along. But I feel like it would get in my head. So I would never go to one. I I don't know. I mean, I once had a psychic tell me that the right woman was just around the corner. So (laughs) right away I was like, yeah, okay. But um, also I have to say like, I cannot not believe, I, 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 I want to believe that it's all nonsense, but like when I watch the Long Island Medium, which I do religiously, yeah, I'm like, oh, no. I know full well, like I, like I know full well, being from Long Island, like I know those people are not acting. They're not acting. You can tell mm-hmm. by their accents that, that where they are, like- what, But is she acting? That's the real question. No, I, I, I mean, I think part of her has to act in a certain way, but the specific, I, I don't know. I I swear to you, like other com- completely devoid of Teresa Caputo, I mm-hmm. would say I don't believe in any of it. But but I I can't. I truly am like oh. there's something happening here. See, I My don't believe. God, she's, she's a she's. I don't know how she does it, but I don't believe in psychics. I went to a psychic once with my one of my my high school my Ledoux high school boyfriends, uh, and I, it was like complete it was all just ridiculous like none of it none of it ever panned out it was just dumb but that Mm. said this documentary in and of itself got me thinking about james randy's claims and him calling people out because even though what in and of itself derek the magician in that new doc does is very clearly magic and it's it's not real and i know it's not real and and part of the fun of it is being like how did he do that but the thing is the thing that he did that is different from other magicians is he made it emotional he made it this sort of like what psychics do. He made it like like somehow there's a bit in it that I don't want to give away too much, oh, but God, basic, bit. basically like there's a there's a letter and the letter oh, comes from no, 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 and I and yeah I'm not gonna go down that road, but you, you really should watch it. But like that part of it got me well, thinking about that. That's kind of in that psychic territory of like how do you do that with magic without having some kind of power, emotional right. power to, to elicit that kind well, of response in a stranger? So before you, Brent, before you jump in, Brent, I just want to say that he, I don't, we shouldn't also, we shouldn't say that like the whole thing is him doing a magic show. Cause it's far from that. It really does feel like a, perf- a one man show. That's 
somewhat avant-garde like it's really yeah. it's far but it from is like magic. magic it is magic. but there's illusion yeah illusion yeah, okay. in there and uh it's not but it just don't i don't want you to think it's like All david right. copperfield I'll, I'll, yeah, no. I'll look it up I'll, his name is benjamin delmonico i'll look it up but i i <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite Derek. uh youtube tropes is psychic fail vi- videos and oh I, yes. I love them yeah there's a for anyone who wants to who happens to want to look it up if you google if you youtube james van Prague uh cold reading fail you will find the greatest cold reading failure you've ever seen but with that said i've watched literally like hours of cold reads and and i've watched uh, the long island medium who apparently has inspired ellie to, to pursue a psychic tree uh but i'll tell you it's 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 absolute bullshit and it's because it's the devil's in the details they they do these incredible things where uh, they'll say, "Hey, I'm looking. You know, you're, I, I, I see your your husband. I see your your husband. Who he passed mm-hmm. four years ago. He's standing over your shoulder, and they are able to perf like they they say they're looking at this person and they're getting information from them. Yeah. So they'll say, "Oh, are you still smoking cigarettes?" And the woman will start crying. Yes, I'm still smoking. So they're talking, but then. Uh, at a certain point, they'll say, "I'm also I'm getting a T. Is there a T in your family? A, a, someone with a with the the letter T in their name? Is there an M in your someone with the letter mm-hmm. M? Because it's like so when they actually need real details, yeah. All of a sudden, that communication see, they were just having is gone, and that's and like that's when you know that they're brilliant tacticians at like eliciting sure. details and providing perfectly crafted. Fuzzy- but that's why that's why that's what makes this different in that. Those things I get. Those things I'm like, yeah, of course, they're fishing for stuff to be able to shape a narrative and putting on a performance. But with Derek in in and of itself, Doc, it's something deeper. And so like part of me is like, I don't want to believe that there's ability to be able to sort of, you know, see into people's futures or whatever. Like, I don't want to believe that because that just seems insane to me. But when you see something like this, you're like, how there's no other explanation. How the hell are you doing this? Like, how are you making this happen? And and so I kind of am like in the middle where I'm like, I wanna I, I wanna be a James Randi skeptic and I wanna like think it's all magic and just fake and tricks and all these things. But then part of me is like, how the fuck did he do that? Why would that yeah. woman's left bawling? Yeah, it's, it's you know it's a remarkable move. It's a remarkable pl- show. I don't even know what I'd call it, but it's it's a remarkable watch. Even if you're a skeptic, it's. it's wild i i guess i I don't want to get too emotional here but i guess i will say i have i've had days i wake up in the morning with a a terrible headache and i start i start to get visions i start to see the future for my my friends and and everything and i did i woke up this morning with just a, a pounding headache and i remember getting the vision like first thing in the morning Elliot was going to get chlamydia. He was going to get chlamydia <laughs> and it was going to happen. It was going to happen on a day with, an, oh with an M in it, an M or a T. There was going to be a T in the day. There's going to be a Y in the day. And he was going to, he was going to get tested by a doctor with an X or an, or an S or a T or an M or an A in their name. <laughs> Dr. Stam. That's right. That's right. Is that it? Wait, what's the name of your doctor? I'm not, why would I? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm going to try to get your charts? <laughs> I don't know. What would, would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? 
Ask Alex if I'm a good white. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, you should tell Alex he used to watch What's Happening at 5 a.m. He used to get up early and watch What's Happening all on your own. <laughs> it's true. What about Aunt Anne? Aunt Anne would say, my favorite magic trick ever is when I put on my Spanx. It's just, just <laughs> life changes. Poof, oh poof, God. right before your eyes. Oh, there I love Aunt Anne. I love her. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. <laughs> and I am H. Allen Scott. Oh, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> 